sorry. <laughs> I apologize. No, I apologize for making you wait after. My period just gear kicking my ass. And I was sitting there going, it's fine. I'll wait till after. And I was like, no, I'll go take a Panadol. <laughs> you know, when it's like it could go either way, you're like, I'm weathering it. But why? You know what I mean? Why should we yeah. weather? I why? know. Because yeah. I like to save it for when it's, like, actually shit. Because, you know, if you take it too much, you, like, don't feel it. Because I'm allergic to ibuprofen. Oh. Yeah. So I can only take Panadol, which doesn't do that much. <laughs> dang. Dang. How do you yeah. feel when you take ibuprofen? Like, does it make you, like, really sick? Oh, like anaphylactic. My eyes swell oh, up. Oh, like no. Alcohols. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's terrible. <laughs> oh, man. Like. Oh, fun fun fact. I, I just love that. Like, I'll just leave this in. I just love that every month our listeners come on the ride if I'm recording during my period. I, I'm just, like, spreading period awareness. Um, yeah. Hey, no, this is real life. This we is real life. And us, yeah. And some of us suffer from them. They're much better than they used to be. Like, they used to just level me. Oh, my gosh. Like, I could not. I could barely move. But, um... Mm. Fun fact, the way I found out I was allergic to ibuprofen, it was like back in high school and I was like, you know, periods were still new to me. <laughs> and I went like shopping with my girlfriends and I'd gotten it and I was feeling so, so sick. And, you know, as you do learning all your sex ed from your girlfriends, they're like, well, just take some naprogesic. Like it's going to like everything will vanish. And like, that day my eyes swelled up but I'd also bought a new mascara that day so I assumed I had an allergic reaction to the mascara uh, then uh-huh. right my eyes swelled up I bought a new mascara it must have been the mascara it wasn't until I had some teeth pulled and then they gave me ibuprofen and like yeah like my eyes swelled up huge <laughs> immediately oh. <laughs> Yeah, like yeah. huge, like alien device. <laughs> it's scary, but like it looks probably ridiculous. Um, and then we realized it was the ibuprofen. Wow. Well, good, good thing you realized. And now, yeah. You don't- no, no, they were like, don't take it anymore because even if it's like non-life-threatening, it can get worse. The severity. Yeah. Of- Oh, yeah. Like, why even try? Why even test that? But Panadol is like, it does a bit, but it's not designed for it. So that's why. All of that is to say I save it for when it's like really shit pain so that it actually does the thing. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Welcome to the show. (laughs) She's serving sweaty period realness. (laughs) <laughs> Welcome to the show, everyone. Um, I'm your host, Angela Montoya, <laughs> along with Melanie Schubert, the period queen. <laughs> she is the queen of periods. She I is. I don't know how I ever didn't know I was neurodivergent. Like, I have no filter. <laughs> like, I do with some stuff, like with certain masking stuff, but then with other stuff, I'm just like spitting facts. Just facts. Say, she's just spitting facts. I love it. I love it. Well, how are you besides period pains, Melanie? Yeah, I I was going to do a different segue and say another fact is you're a witch. (laughs) Because, okay, I just have to say, like, it's going to become very, like, 
coveted place to get on the podcast because you're like some oracle. Like we just had the lovely Emma Alban on our show. Like I'm still editing this episode. Yeah. And what do I see today? USA Today best-selling author. I mean, am I going to say that you're responsible? Like, it's not the first one. Another upcoming guest hit the New York Times bestseller list. Like, there have been, because I just have to put all credit onto you because you are our our big hustler for getting guests on the show. And, and I just think you're a magical witch. And if people come on the show, their chances of becoming an, a best-selling author. You, you see what I'm doing here? I like where you're going with this. Yes, yes, everyone. I am in fact a witch. I am, I, I and I feel the same about you, Melanie, because I don't know a single person who can find so many four leaf clovers. So I feel like, I feel like we're on like polar opposites of witchdom. Can you I just I mean? stop and say, look at our outfits today. Black witch and green witch. It feels right. It feels so right. It does. It's it rare. really does. Would they would have burnt us at the stake for sure. Yeah. No, 100%. We would have been crispy. Yeah. <laughs> Our asses would have been so crispy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 100%. Roasting me for a while to get through all of this. <laughs> <laughs> too dark? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe too dark. Uh, but yeah, no, I definitely feel a little witchy. Like we've had so many amazing guests, yeah. like so many, and we're having so many more. So yeah, just call me your fairy godmother. You are, you are. I don't know how you do it, but without fail, like I, I'm just like not even surprised anymore. <laughs> you just know how to pick it. You know how yeah. to. Yeah. Well, you know, it's 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 really fun to like meet authors online and then to watch their journeys. Like I really love watching authors. I just like um, seeing them shine. Like, I think it's so fun because, you know, cause we've been there, like, you know, that feeling of wanting something and then, and working so hard and then you get it or you get more than you ever could have imagined. And I love it. Like, I love seeing authors like share their good news because it's like, Hell yes. Me too. Like, yes. Yeah. So like there's, you know, I can't remember. Oh, oh, okay. There was <laughs> a few weeks back, there was a, a an author who was a debut who was going behind the scenes and like creating a good that, that author. She yeah. must not be named. I mean, we can yeah. name her. <laughs> yeah. So she was she was creating these Goodreads accounts yeah. and like basically like one starring all of these authors, right? I feel mad already and, just thinking yes. about it again. And and so many amazing authors. And I just think of like how much of a scarcity mindset and like pettiness, mm. but really like the core of it, I, I've got to imagine is like this scarcity mindset. Like if so. they're getting this thing, then I'm not getting it. And so, you know, um, and I hate that. I, I hate, hate it mm. because it's especially if you're going after authors of color who already have to mm. fight through so many hoops and, yeah. and all of the shit, if you're particularly going after that, but like yeah. just authors in general, like there's so much, oh, it's so hard to become an author, but there's so much for all of us to get. 
from it. You know what I mean? Oh, like exactly. all the accolades, all the good things there's, it's, there's, it doesn't run out. And so for a person to have this scarcity mindset, mm-hmm. it makes no sense because, because there's so many readers who love books, right? You know, like, you know how, when you read a story, like say a story about dragons and you love yeah. it, you don't go, Oh, that's it. I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm never going to read another dragon book. You're thinking, where are all the dragon books? I want to read every dragon book because that was so good. So, yeah. you know, I don't know. I just like, I love seeing authors succeed um, because it's hard. It's hard to freaking be an author. Yes. Thank you for saying all of that. You know, I'm like, I'm just firing up on, like, I'm so passionate about this. And like, I know how tempting it is as well. Like the, there's like humanity speaking. I know how tempting it is to give in to like a scarcity mindset, Let me separate that from the other comment. I do not understand how someone gets to the point where they would like, like real talk. I can't understand how you could like sabotage other writers. And she had so much going for her. Yeah. She had so much going for her. It just, it cooked my noodle that she was like willing to like, even say she's the most narcissistic person in the world. Why gamble your own damn career being so petty? Like, that that's it just blew my mind but yeah like to actually like come into the world and it's like so rare and so beautiful just to start with then to actually like the kinds of people who gravitate towards writing tend to be really sensitive it tends to take a lot of us to actually chase this to give ourselves permission to chase it and then Mm -hmm. to tear down people who are doing that like I I just I cannot encourage people enough to squash that mindset early on because we all feel a little bit of something I think early on it's like it's human to feel like a bit of like what oh if they make it I can't or like what if this what if this but it's croc it's it's it is a croc of scarcity mindset and let me tell you if you go down that path you will manifest that and she manifested her own fucking hell by Mm. manifesting like she's gonna struggle guess what she manifested her own worst nightmare and but if you chase the people who are like cheering and like and you like fight for you you have to fight for a better mindset and I think she's like an extreme example of what can happen if you don't damn damn because yes I'm I told you thank you Ines I'm listening to the secret um I want to read that yeah there's parts I don't I don't love Mm, but I just feel like Okay, so like the secret is all about your mindset and like mm. shifting it from like lack of Mm-mm. to like I have, right? So like it's basically like manifesting, mm. which I I really really do. Um, but like and and maybe it's just because it's something I've just been thinking about so much, like mm. because you know you start the new year and you're thinking of all the things that you want to accomplish, you know, mm. like these big goals, the man you're wanting to manifest, but like my my mind just kept going back to like thinking of like, gosh, I have, I have so much. I'm safe. I'm here. I'm home. Like, how am I asking the universe for more when there's so many people who are like dying? There's so many people who are like, God, like going through the worst things. How am I like asking for more, You, you know? So like, so I've just been mentally kind of like trying to figure out what the balance is, like how do I want more while also like really wanting everybody to have more, you know, That's or to secret. have, yeah, like just That's like trying the to secret figure it out. there though for people with our mindset. 
I actually like in therapy the other day and I was saying to my therapist something about, oh, like just, you know, something about my parents struggling or whatever. And I was like, but I'm wanting them to enjoy, like, you know, like wanting to them enjoy the wealth that they have suffered to make <laughs> coming yeah. from like war-torn Balkans, like working their way out. I'm like, enjoy it now. You worked, like enjoy your retirement. And she was like, I'd love you to take that mindset that you have of wishing everyone else everything and put it onto yourself a bit more. Mm. Mm -hmm. That's the secret for like the fact you feel guilty is like sweet. And I, I resonate with that deeply, but is there ever a point where you wish less for your loved ones? Or you're like, well, she's got enough now. I think mm -hmm. when you love someone, you always want more for them. It's yeah. like shifting the mindset that it's like greedy to want that. But I will agree with you. It's a balance. And like, Honestly, this week I had this thought that felt profound to me and I was, I'm sure a million monks and whatever have already written. I've read other places, but I was just like, I am everything, but I am nothing. Mm. And that's the balance that I'm, that I think you're talking about. Maybe like realizing that, yeah, like you deserve all the good things and like whatever, but like, yeah, also we can be humble. I can like clean out the shit out of my toilet. <laughs> You know, yeah. like just keeping yeah. that balance between the two, I think will be an ongoing thing in our lives. Yeah, no, no, that hits deep. Yeah, I think, well, it's funny because I, when I'm listening to, I listen to the secret. So mm. like this, it's an interesting, like, like audible um, listen yeah. because like just different <laughs> sounds they make and like the different uh, like actors, you know, it's just like different, but, um, Ooh. but like one guy was like, yeah, I, if you look at me, I've got like a $4.5 million house and you know, I manifested that. And I was just thinking like, uh. I don't want that to be like, like, that's not why people are doing this. Is it like, I want this million dollar. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just, maybe I was just feeling. Sensitive. No, I vomited on the inside when you said that, like, okay. because that's how I feel about like, if people are just chasing it. Yeah. It's uh, if, if your goal is, I'm not saying you, sh you can't dream of material things. It's just not like my, I dream of like freedom to like go places and like yes. not having to, like not having to worry about stuff financially, you know, whatever. But like, I, I get what you mean. There's this other side of like the manifesting thing that's yeah. like all very like, fast cars and like oh my gosh I've been binging I fully binged in like a day that Jeffrey Epstein cult doco oh oh, it's not a cult really is it but it kind of was yeah and it's giving that sometimes it's like feeling like it, it's when people feel like they're better than everyone I think that it maybe rubs us the wrong way yeah think? I think that's what it was it felt like very privileged like mm. like white male Mm, maybe I won't enjoy reading it then because big magic didn't but no, it's like just, that. but it's just like the like a, a few things but like the yeah. core of okay. everything that that the author was saying is really great and I'm taking so much from it because it's mm. it's switching your mindset and I I do notice I do this so often where it's like like I like I'm gonna go to um another book festival I'm going yeah. to love you and in my in my mind, I was thinking, oh no, like, like I'm going to be awkward or I'm going to be, mm. 
you know, I'm going to make a fool of myself when I'm on a panel, I'm going to be weird, or I'm not going to say the right things. And, and all of that is manifesting, even though I'm saying, I don't want those things. What I'm really saying is like, like, you know, I'm inviting yeah. those things in. And so she's talking about like shifting your mind and saying like, not saying I don't, but saying I am great yeah. on the stage. I am lovable. I am funny and fun. And so it's like this shift yes. and like, and that shift brings joy and attracts good things. And so those yeah. parts I really love. And it's mm. like this constant like reminder of like, girl, don't be mean to yourself. Like you can't, That's you it. are great, you know? So I do love, I love, love, love that. Mm. And so I will listen to it again, just to remind okay. me. And I do want to read it, but yeah, I get what you mean. Sometimes it, uh, and maybe that is because we like uh, instinctively do the first mindset that you were saying, where it's like, oh, I should be happy with what I have. I shouldn't want more. But like, it's ultimately desire kind of fuels your movements through life. And you might as well shoot for things that bring joy and happiness and goodness. You might as well shoot for your dreams. Otherwise, like that quote goes, you you get caught up living someone else's dream. Or, mm -hmm. or get caught up as part of someone else's machine if you're not driving your own vehicle, you know? And that's, yeah, yeah like, it's very like this brain work stuff that we were talking about with our guest, our fellow Melanie, my my kindred name sister. Um, yeah, it's very much that mindset. It's like reframing stuff. And, and yeah, I think... Uh, I definitely think that's some religious trauma for me, not feeling like I should be able to want more and like whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, we're working through it, but I agree with you. Like uh, that has changed my whole life. You know, it's actually one of the reasons why, you know, from the start I would like kind of put on a full face of makeup and get dressed for the pod because it made me feel big and bad. It made me feel like a host. Whereas mm. like I found that especially early on, if I just like had my t-shirt on, I was like very conscious of like, I'm just an emerging author with anxiety. What am I doing right. here? <laughs> right. Yeah. You know? So like, yeah, like uh, a lot of it is mindset and I, yeah. What's yeah. like no. your favorite thing you've learned from reading it so far? Honestly, I feel like it is that it's like, it is the mindset and um, gosh, I feel like when I just like, when I, when I just switched my mind into like, I have this, or I am going to mm. like, I'm going to be an author and it, yeah. and it stopped like doubting myself so much about it and just like walked into it yes. and like accepted, like, it's going to happen. I'm mm. just going to keep going toward it. Um, like there's such a freedom in really and truly believing in yeah. yourself and that you can handle it and that the universe or whatever it is like is on your side you know like I think there's for some reason like it always feels like and we've talked about this before it's like yeah well enough bad things are happening like I can I deserve a good thing now you know or, or yeah. enough bad things in my life have happened I deserve this but no like no we can we can just be like I deserve this yeah. I I not because of anything bad, but just because I am and because, you know, I deserve good things. Exactly. And uh, yeah, so it's honestly, I, I think it's a good read. Just yeah. if they remind you to shift that mm. energy 
of maybe staying away from the negative as much as you can. It's so hard to always be there, but like, but it is, it's a, it's a practice. It is a practice. God, so often I'm realizing I'm always like, so um, like hard on myself about everything. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. I didn't, I didn't put the laundry away. God, I I could do better about this. Like, gosh, you you know, I stop being so lazy, but no, like I'll get to it when I get to it because I'm working so hard. So, you know, you're just like shifting from being so negative about yourself to like, Mm. no, like you're talking to like my heart and soul, like as per usual, our, our like mental journeys tend to be in sync because yeah, like it's crazy the way my mindset is right now from last year. Like, like I kind of went through a really dark depressive stage and, and like, you have to go through them sometimes. Yeah. But like, I think a lot of it was, I kind of lost sight of, I, I maybe lost hope that I could make a career out of this. I lost Mm. a bit of faith in myself somewhere. Whereas this year, like not much has changed, but my mindset is so like, different because yeah like instead of counting all the things I don't have I've started counting what I have achieved and like and there's a lot (laughs) and like once you actually shift your attention to like and that's what it is manifesting there's not like I mean there's magic to it but like the magic to it is all the micro choices you make and that positive energy is like a light to other people who are trying to trying to do better you know like that's the thing. Like when you look at someone who has like an inner light or whatever, and if you just come with darkness, you'll find people like that move away from you. It's not because they, they dislike you or like they judge you or whatever. It's because usually they're fighting fucking hard to hold mm. on to their light. I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions about happy people or big energy people that they're some mythical creature. no, they were sitting in the darkness and it grew so dark. They had to break themselves into a million fucking pieces and reinvent themselves as beings of light. <laughs> That's how I see it anyway. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just like, yeah, I totally, this year I'm just like, I'm just at peace and I'm like, oh, well, we're already doing it. What were you worried about? Like, or I mean, it, I'm not going to pretend it hasn't helped getting into this anthology and having like, which is why I cannot recommend enough. Don't just sit in the trenches, find other writing opportunities because it will remind you that you are fucking badass. It will yeah. remind you why you started some of these small opportunities. Like it's done such wonders to my mental health. <laughs> just like reminding myself, I'm good at it. I'm good at it, you yeah. know, and that's why I'm chasing it as a career. It's not some delusional dream. I see the potential of this as being my career, you know? Yeah. Fuck yes. Fuck, Fuck yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. I love it. I love it. But it's true. And and Melanie, not you, Melanie, and I apologize, but Melanie yeah. Figueroa, who we've had on, who we just yeah. had on, you'll hear later, but she mentions this, and I don't want to give a spoiler, but her her freaking advice is so profound. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's like w- querying is so hard. Being on submission is so hard. Being an author is so hard. You got to do things outside of that to remind you of who you are and that yeah. you are perfect soul beyond it. And yes. I love that you've been querying, but you found another outlet in this anthology. Mm. 
and like different things. So there's things beyond yeah. query and, you know, and, and, and you can forget about querying sometimes I because can, you're yeah. things. I love it. It's honestly been life changing to like my spirit and how I approach this again and like which parts I lean into. I think like just even how we were talking at the end of last year, like leaning away from certain parts of social media yeah. and like just remembering as well that the kinds of people that want to read the kinds of stuff I'm writing will be more like me than what they're pushing for us to market like sometimes anyway, if that makes sense. Just like, yeah. So it's kind of nice to start the year with in like a really peaceful place about it all. And like, yeah, I I love these big energy conversations so, so much. And I want to discuss what Melanie said next episode. Like we both have a lot of thoughts, but we don't want to spoil it because it was a very profound thought. And I, I really encourage everybody to do that, you know, what she said. So we'll, we'll save it till then. But um, I also realized we started recording late because I had this open for a while. So I want to get to something that I think I hope you're ready for. <laughs> so I really wanted Angela to do a live reading on the podcast because what? What are you tackling? I I oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Do you want to do it next time? No, here, I'll just open up a page, but go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, I wanted you to pick like your favorite part. I'm so sorry. I totally <laughs> meant to do this. Um... Okay, take a moment. Take a moment. Just think about what is like your favorite scene and take a moment to flick there. <laughs> I don't know. You know what's weird is like reading it back. I'm like, oh, I don't know if I liked any of this. Um, you do that's just imposter syndrome talking oh yeah that's a that will see did you see what I just did I went back I to saw the but book. we've got to check that voice all the time and I reckon that's half of that manifestation mindset you know it's like checking I wonder why we were brought up like that like Australia was definitely like you cut down the tall poppies you know like god mm. forbid you shine too bright <laughs> you know well, Especially a woman thing. Like, oh, God yeah. forbid, woman shines too bright. You know what I mean? Right. And, like, sadly, her fellow women are often the ones who, like, tear her down the hardest. Like, mm -hmm. I think it's, like, something – I saw a quote the other day that was, like, your light will threaten a lot of unhealed people. Ooh. Ooh. You know? So if, if, if you, like, chasing your dream and, like, your – or, like, you – whatever, something that somebody hasn't healed or been able to do will make them feel uncomfortable. But I think that yeah. that uncomfort, that discomfort is good because it challenges people to, to chase their dreams, to do better, to like be the best version of themselves or whatever. Yeah. And you are shining bright. And speaking of shining bright, I, I feel from your face that you have found a, a place you would like to read from. <laughs> no, let me just, I'm just going <laughs> to read something okay yeah um oh man this is hard melanie what about you know, a moment with the phantoms a phantom moment i love a phantom moment okay 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 oh okay let me go to let me go to um let me see you think i'm just just for the record if you think i'm super prepared sometimes it's because i have notes that's what i'm always checking what are my notes yeah. there is no way this freaking adhd brain would remember anything so i actually write myself notes throughout the week when it pops into my head 
I'd be like, oh. oh, don't forget to ask Monty to read her excerpts. So don't think that I'm more remembering than you. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Good for you. Okay. Um, <laughs> I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to sound rude. that bombastic side eye, though. <laughs> it's just my face. It just works that way. Oh, go on. Okay, you can do it. Uh, but but here's the thing. Hey, then I have to what? What do I do? I have to act this out. I was gonna say before you read it, yeah. stop thinking it's a small book. Stop thinking oh. you're a small person, and Uh-oh. remember you are the Angela Montoya. I want Shit. you to read this like the fucking goddess you are, like like manifesting this best-selling author that you're gonna be. Oh, Please shit. read it with that energy, no shrinking. Oh damn, 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 Melanie, you got me. Take on that a one. breath. Okay, okay, okay. She's a witchy queen with powers. She's a witchy queen. Okay, okay. I. This is probably the third chapter of the book. Mm. So in 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 Sinner's Isle, Rosa, her whole mission is to escape the island before she has to be bound to a man of power. And mm. so she and her best friend Juana are trying to escape before the event. It's called the offering begins. Um, so thank you for that pep talk. That was powerful. Yes, my queen. I will pep talk you anytime. Okay. So in this scene, Juana and Rosa get caught by their mistress who basically guards the girls and keeps them from going. Um, they get caught. And so uh, Juana is like in dire straits. She's basically being strangled by the mistress. And Mm -hmm. so Rosa has to decide if she's going to let her powers, these shadow powers out. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. Good choice. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, La Doña. So Doña Lucia is the mistress of of the island. La Doña lifted Juana from the floor her sandals clunking beneath her dole and dull thuds. Rosa's shadows scratched at her bones. Let us be free, they chanted. We can save her. But what if she unleashed them and they hurt Juana instead? What if her shadows, if she set her shadows loose and they killed everyone in their wake, like they'd done with her parents? She'd lose control if she sh- couldn't hold her concentration. Doña Lucia's guards, who possessed incredible strength, Agility and speed burst through the entry doors. The silver uniforms they wore were tight against their muscular forms. It was their hands, though, covered in black gloves that caught Rosa's attention. For the gloves they wore were made of sea serpent skin and shielded them from the iron manacles bouncing at their hips. Rosa knew exactly what it meant when their leather was worn. The guards planned to place the shackles upon her skin and dampen her power. Sweat ran down Rosa's back as they barreled toward her, yet she stood immobile, her own fear encasing her in stone. Hurry, her phantoms urged, before it's too late. But Rosa couldn't move. She could do nothing but listen to Juana's gasping breaths. We can save her. The guard with icy white hair grabbed Rosa's arm, pinching her with bone-crushing might. The pain snapped her out of her panic. Let me go, she struggled against the guard's grip. They will kill Juana, her, her shadows said. A second guard took Rosa's uh, took hold of Rosa 
and with her free hand, she pulled the irons from her belt. It would only be a matter of seconds before the guard clamped them around Rosa's wrist, stifling her phantoms. Turn us loose or witness the only person you love perish. Rosa's body went rigid. She'd lost her parents and brother. She wouldn't lose Juana too. She couldn't endure life without her. <laughs> I could, I, yeah. So that's like a little um, taste of what's happening in Sinner's Isle. That felt like a very <laughs> sacred moment. Oh, uh, cool. that, that was hard. Yeah, like, it is hard. Do they not make you do that at, in American book things? Uh, I've honestly only had to do it once and it was like on a virtual thing and it was like, it was so stressful. But mm, like Australia is anyway. all about the author readings. Oh man. Oh man. <laughs> so we've got to get you prepared for when your book comes here because it's going to happen. We're manifesting that. Manifesting. It's beautiful to hear you read it. Oh, thanks. We're going to have to do a few more. This time oh. we can go back and think about another chapter. <laughs> 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 okay bye 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 i'd like to hear you read it too okay i'll find like my favorite part and i'll read it for sure i'd okay. love that okay i love that too i love i'd love to hear it in an australian accent all right Jeez. australian audiobook coming up next episode Woo! um before we run out of time because we are ticking down let's read uh melanie's bio yeah. not me the other melanie the yeah. the agent baddie melanie i will yes. claim writer melanie baddie I love that. You want me to that. do it since you're just reading? Yeah. <laughs> Give you a break. <laughs> also, get out of my Google Doc. Get out of my... Oh, I see fuck. you there. Okay, fine. I see fine. you I'm there out. on the cursor. I, I don't know why. <laughs> I will be silent now. <clears throat> so today we have none other than Melanie Figueroa, who is a literary agent at Root Literary with over a decade of experience in the book publishing industry and an active member of the Association of American Literary Agents, AALA. <laughs> she earned an MS in creative writing and book publishing from Portland State University and a BA in English rhetoric and composition with a professional certif certification in technical writing from California State University, Long Beach. Her career in publishing started as an editorial project manager and freelance editor working with companies such as Disney, Pixar, Marvel, and Lucas. She's so such a baddie. <laughs> she joined Root Literary in 2018 as an agency coordinator and quickly transitioned into her current role as a literary agent. Melanie's portfolio of representation spans across children's lit and adult fiction. Melanie was born and raised in South California in a multicultural blended family, so she has a soft spot for books that speak to the nuances of relationships and identity. The unique blend of creativity and on entrepreneurial how do you say it entrepreneurial entrepreneurial yeah, an entrepreneurial spirit that her role offers is what truly fuels her passion for the job when she's not working you can find her stress faking watching something scary or snuggling with her chocolate lab oakley oh, yeah. what yeah. a Melanie badass she is a badass she's wonderful and has the best things to say she's yeah. so good. she got us today she really did she really did Speaking of cool Melanie's, have you seen Snowpiercer TV ser the series? I have not. I have not. Ah, I, I want you to watch it. It's very cool. I shall watch just yeah. to see a cool Melanie in action. Yeah, watch it for that reason. And also watching it has just made me like very aware of how important Australians have become to America. Because oh. in the show, 
they literally have this character whose like nickname is the last Australian. Cause it's like a post-apocalyptic thing. Ah, Obviously okay. the apocalypse happened and America was ready. <laughs> yes. Actually, it might've been in set in the UK. I shouldn't slash America, but I think most of it, most of it's American. Anyway. So they have the last Australian on this train that goes around the world. And then not just one last Australian, they find another train and that train also has a last Australian. Wow. <laughs> so oh. the two la- they each get at their moment in the sun, the two last Australians in the world. It's like a whole thing. It's a whole plot point. So um, I just think you should know that you're very lucky to have me as a co-host and you know, an iconic Australian, I am single-handedly skyrocketing your career to success. Um, damn straight. Damn straight. There's only one Australian <laughs> on this show. And it's <laughs> and you're great. <laughs> I just like, thank you, America. Thank you for loving us enough to give us these roles. That's no, the no, thank you. Thank <laughs> you being Australian. <laughs> Hi. Hello. Hi, Melanie. How are you? I am good. Just, you know, (laughs) end of the day over here. (laughs) Ah, Yeah, totally. Makes sense. It's funny because uh, Melanie is the co-host and then there's you. So when every time I would see an email coming and I'm like, what's happening? But it all, (laughs) it gave me a good giggle. I actually surprisingly know very few Melanies and I'm not sure why. Because it's a fantastic name. Uh, okay. <laughs> but, so it's it's rare that I meet another Melanie. There's not many of us, I guess. So, Yeah. But recently, a few came into my life, you, and I've been watching Snowpiercer, and the main character is Melanie. So I'm like, maybe we're trending. We might the be TV tra- show? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I haven't watched a TV show. I love the movie, though. It, I think the TV show's better than the movie. Okay, I got to check really it out. good. And there's a Melanie, so there's that. <laughs> there's a famous Melanie. See, it's perfect. I love it. What do you guys know? What Melanie means? Like, <laughs> yeah, it actually means something like dark, like darkness. Like, it's uh-huh. like, like, it, like if I, my partner recently asked me this, and I, I don't remember like exact meaning, but it's something like dark or darkness. I which love that. I, I love that for both of you. I do. <laughs> maybe fitting, maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I love that too. Well, welcome to the show. We're so pleased to have you on today. Thank you. I appreciate being invited. I think Angela, I think you might know one of my clients, Raquel. Yeah. I think you're friendly. I unless I'm like mistaken. Sorry if I am. No. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She has a podcast with our friend Kelly, right? Yes. 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 Small world. Of course it is. It's such a small world, but I love her. Like she is so talented. And um, so, yeah, you guys are lucky to have each other (laughs) going far in in this industry. So I'm really, really excited to see where she takes off to. Uh, She's already taken, she's already taken off. So (laughs) big things happening for her. So congrats to, to you both. Really. Thank you. Yeah. Well, yeah. Thanks for joining us. Honestly, we love having agents on and, um, you know, just hearing different sides of of the industry. It's such a a wild world we all work in. And so, um, so it's always fun to have agents. So, so thank you for coming, for joining us. Of course. I think I've done a few podcasts. It's always really fun, honestly. So. (laughs) Yeah. 
No, we have the best time um, on it. Like, it's so fun. People in, in the bookish world are so great and mm -hmm. special. So agents, of course, are among those special humans. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, let's so get right into like the most important question. <laughs> what yeah. is one of the strangest things you own? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I don't feel like I own that many strange things, but I was... I, okay, I guess maybe two things come to mind. One is I have one of a print of um, Jeff Goldblum as depicted as Jesus Christ holding a T-Rex in his arms like a baby. Uh, it went viral a few years ago and I was like, I have to have this. And then my friends helped me like track down someone who I get a print from. Um, and then I'm realizing that there's, there's a theme here because the other strange thing I was going to say is a few months ago, my partner and I were in Target and they have in the kids section like these like weighted animal plushes. And there was like a dinosaur one and I was like holding it and he was like, just get it. And I was like, and there was like a woman in the aisle with us. And I was like, no, it's it's for children. It's okay. <laughs> Anyways, and then like a month later, he like snuck it into the cart. Um, and so I have, I call him my like, his name's Reggie. <laughs> I call it my like emotional support like dinosaur plush and I'll like it's like a weighted blanket you know it's, there's yeah. just something like psychological about holding Reggie close to you but anyway so I love that yeah dinosaur theme I guess is, yeah yes <laughs> and let's so. let's normalize adults buying soft like children's toys I also recently yes. bought like um one of those tactile it's like really squishy sensory toy. And I was playing with it as well for ages. And my husband was like, as well, he's like, just get it. Just get it. Like that's, <laughs> you're a grown up. You can buy whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh, I love this so much. I was just doing like a little tour of my office. Um, and I just like posted on TikTok. But a lot of the stuff I have in there are, is so random and like, makes no sense to anybody else but it makes you me smile every time I yes. see the things and so it's like why not why we have adult money we mm -hmm. can have adult we do <laughs> not adult things you know what I mean yeah. why not hey if it makes you happy exactly buy that plushie I love that <laughs> yeah. yeah and and I think the world needs more um Jeff <laughs> baby Rex. I think the world just needs more of that. Yes. I would show you too, but it's on the opposite wall. So <laughs> please post it after in your stories. <laughs> we need to see it. Tag the podcast. Try to remember. <laughs> yes. oh, I love it. I love it. Well, do you have a favorite like place or you know, it could be in your house or somewhere you go to that just you go to and just makes you feel so happy inside? This is like a cheesy answer, but I feel like the place is wherever my dog is. <laughs> like, he's That's... a chocolate lab. His name's Oakley. And like, just doing like going to the beach with him, like whatever. It just makes me happy to like see him happy. Um, so yeah, that's probably my favorite place right now. Well, this is the, like, we are the cheese <laughs> podcast. And like, literally my dog was just like grunting in her sleep, as you said that. And I was like, you're so right. Like anything <laughs> like, she yeah. does and like dogs smile, that is real. And watching her I smile, know. I'm less just like, my life is so happy. <laughs> exactly. I'm such a dog person. So <laughs> just, yes. uh, 
Or I think I read in your bio that, you, I think it was in your bio, you stress bake, if I remember correctly. I do. <laughs> it can be problematic during very stressful times when I'm like, okay, this is too much dessert for one person. Um, <laughs> it's never yeah. too much. It's oh, never- yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a favorite thing that you bake? Oh, I, well, okay. I really just like like a good chocolate cake, but I rarely have an excuse to make like a whole cake. Um, but one of my colleagues has made these, um, like they're called gooey butter cookies. Uh, mm. And she, she brought them to the office when I used to work in the office and I was like hounding her for the recipe. Um, and I made those, I made like several batches for family over the holidays. And it's like, they're so Oh, yeah. indulgent and like <laughs> they're so delicious the secret is you make it with um like cake batter not so you're not using like regular flour so it almost tastes like you're eating like a vanilla cake in a cookie form which is probably why I like it I'm realizing now um <laughs> but but yeah um those are probably my two I bake lots of cookies and cake yeah love it I'm here yes. for it it's, I'm so hungry right now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No. Yes. Well, now that we've got some of the big questions aside, <laughs> can you tell us like where it all started for you? What made you want to pursue being a literary agent? Yeah, I think, you know, I think like a lot of us, I just wanted to find a way to make my passion for storytelling a career. Um, And I knew this about myself, like back in high school, even Um, And at one point in high school, I actually um, thought that might be by working with musicians, because I really, I've always just loved how like all consuming a great song is and like really powerful lyrics. And I think in that sense, it kind of does what a really like immersive book does to you, although it's like much smaller scale. Um, And I like job shadowed for a recording studio um, back then. But then in college, I found out about literary agents. And because I also never wanted someone to like tell me how much money I could make, quite frankly, (laughs) it was a very appealing career path in publishing for me. So that's kind of like where the initial spark of, ooh, like maybe, maybe that's it um, came from. Because I, you know, in high school, I didn't even know what an agent was. So, yeah, that is so it's so cool. I think it's so fascinating because like I can't I don't think I knew about literary agents until I started writing the book. You know what I mean? So it's just so interesting. How, how did you go from, you know, wanting to do it to becoming a literary agent? What was the process mm-hmm. like? Yeah, I think because agenting is like an apprenticeship field, so much of like getting started and my friends that are agents too it's like right place right time like right people like because you need you need to work with people who will actually like mentor and support you if you're going to have any chance at like sticking with this long term or being like halfway decent at the job quite frankly mm-hmm. um so I did internships during and right after college um and then you know for the first few years, actually, I got a job in house. And after that, I did a brief set freelancing while I was looking for an agency to start working as an assistant. Um, and then for those first few years, you just have like, so much to learn. And um, you do that by supporting someone who's already working as an agent. Mm-hmm. So in my case, that was Holly Roots and Taylor Haggerty over here at Root Literary, um, who I worked with pretty closely those first few years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just did a lot of reading for them. I um, help put together edit letters and like submission lists and, and pitches. 
Um, they brought me to editor meetings and helped me kind of build a network with my own contacts. So like, I will be honest, the first like five years of agenting is kind of brutal. <laughs> like you're like, because there's just so much like striving and yearning and like you, there's so much that's out of your control. Um, so you're going to run out a lot of opportunities that, you know, aren't always going to swing your way and you just kind of have to like find it in yourself to keep going. But I think everyone that I've ever talked to about this journey has like a different story of how they got started. But I feel like a lot of it is like finding those people who see you and help you develop the skills you're going to need to be a successful agent. So Mm. I was going to ask what helped you kind of like stay through that. So do you think it was like your community? Yeah, I have really great um, mentors and support here. So I feel really lucky to have found a great home at Root Literary. I think because I think when the hard times happen, you know, when you like lose a client that you really want or not lose a client, I should say lose a potential client, someone that you offered rep to, or like, you know, maybe you send something out that doesn't go your way. I think it's just, there's a lot of moments that are kind of like hard on the heart in this business. I think authors can relate to a lot of those like up and downs and just having your community and those people who are like, you know, they believe in you and they're going to be there no matter what. And they're going to help you get through all of that is really important. So for me, I mean, I think you have to have a belief in yourself. I think it comes from within, Mm -hmm. but I do think it helps to be surrounded by people who also have so much faith in you and like, just, you know, keep pushing you to be better and better. So, yeah, it's, it's, I love that. I love hearing like from the agent side of things, because it's true, like authors who are querying specifically, I mean, you know, you, there's so much, it feels like at stake, we're waiting for agents and there's just like, our hearts are just always thumping when the emails Mm -hmm. come. But, you know, agents are human too and are also feeling all of these feels and emotions. And um, so it's, it's, it correlates. It's all the same. We're all just people who want this thing to happen, who want to bring books into the world. And it's a beautiful thing. Um, Now you mentioned like agents or that you were reading a lot when you first started. I'm sure you still are obviously reading a ton of Mm -hmm. submissions how like what makes a query or manuscript like stand out to you well that is a really good question um voice is a big thing for me I think like you know dialogue has to be really authentic I I can't make even like the best premise work if the writing isn't there or like the execution isn't there um sometimes it's fixable stuff though like structure or piecing or like developing a certain character more. And I think if, if you're an agent and you have a vision and you're, you're confident that like, if we can get it there, like I know who to send that to, it, mm-hmm. it can be worth it to put that work and time into something. Um, but other times it's just like, you know, maybe I pass on something because as good as the concept is, it doesn't feel like the author's craft is like where it needs to be to kind of like break through the noise in this market. Yeah. Um, and then also like what attracts me or like what I what stands out. I'm also like an emotional reader, which is not to say that like, I am emotional while I'm reading, <laughs> but it's more of it like, um, I find that I gravitate towards stories where there is some type of like emotional pale, however you define that. Um, and then beyond that, yeah, I mean, a, a strong concept always kind of makes me like sit up a little straighter. <laughs> um, so, I mean, everything else kind of has to be true for me to actually run at that book and that, you know, that client, but, um, 
a strong concept just makes like my job easier. It makes the publisher's job easier. It just pays off like at every step of the way. Um, so that's always really intriguing when you find it. And then everything else is kind of there too. Mm. I feel so lame when I'm like, eh, you'll know it when you see it. <laughs> no, I feel like it's like a really like understandable answer though, because like, even like, I think about this all the time, like the way I consume media is like, so like all over the shop, like the other week I binged a cult doco so hard. Then I was watching some fluffy anime that was really lighthearted. Like it's really like hard to pick it until it just pulls you, you know? And then that's the pool that you can't let go of. Yeah, I feel like I'm a pretty eclectic like consumer as well of like stories and media. So that's I never want to like yeah. say no to like just I'm like send it to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, what's your what are you watching right now that's like calling to you or reading? Well, so I'm actually rewatching this <laughs> show. Um, when I have free a Penny Dreadful. Have you guys ever watched Penny Dreadful? No, I have, on- I have heard of this. It's on Showtime uh-huh, and okay. it came out like, I want to say, I want to say I watched this at least maybe like six or more years ago. So it's not like brand new, um, but my partner had seen like everything and I was like trying to find something to like impress him. And I was like, ooh, <laughs> he likes like supernatural stuff like that, like for, mm-hmm. um, so Penny Dreadful is kind of what I've been rewatching lately. Um and I'm, I haven't seen it yet, but I really want to watch um, the new Godzilla movie, Godzilla Minus One. Yes. Um, it looks so good, um, but it's not, unfortunately, in the theaters next to me. So I got to wait till it's out on streaming. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've heard um, our one of our best, our best founders of the show, her name, Jessica Parr, mm-hmm. she had mentioned the Godzilla movie. And so I and she was like, tell your son to go see it. And so I told my 14-year-old, he went and saw it, and he approves. And for a old guy who's hard to, you know, impress, I was like, oh, it must be a really good movie. Yeah. He was, like, top tier. I was like, Best. good. <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah, so 14-year-old son says, go see it. <laughs> it's got to be good. It's got to be good. You, can, you can't, like, pull the wool over their eyes. They're not. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Well, it sounds like you have an eclectic, you know, just as a consumer yourself, how, what sort of genres do you uh, represent? Yeah, I'm pretty open because as I said, I do, you know, consume media far and wide. Um, but I do have a wish list on my website. I try to keep it pretty updated. So that's MelanieFigueroa.com. Um, but I work on a lot of commercial fiction, uh, women's fiction, you know, speculative fiction. And then on the kid lit side, especially right now, I'm really hungry for like, more middle grade genre fiction um, and books for teens, especially like mysteries, thrillers. But I'm also like always going to be a fantasy and sci-fi girly. So like (laughs) that's just evergreen. Um, So I'm kind of all over the map. But really for me, it's just important that, you know, I have a vision for kind of how to bring this to market and I have the right contacts to to sell that on my client's behalf. Mm. Yeah, Yeah, that seems like, I mean, I think you mentioned it before, but like when you're reading something, are you thinking in the back of your head, like, I know an editor who would be interested in this? Like, is that, does that play a big role when you're thinking about offering representation? Like, do you already have like a list in your mind or is it sometimes that something so special? You're like, I will find, a, I will find somebody for this, you know, does yeah. that always 
I think when you're like first starting out as an agent, you're still developing your contacts. So that was like, I used to, the way I would read then was a little bit different than I'd read now. Um, but right now, for sure, like I, I try to like have a pure experience <laughs> as much as you possibly can with the manuscript. But usually, inevitably, when I'm like halfway through it, I'm like, oh, I'm starting to feel like, ooh, this feels like something I kind of want to run at. Like, let's see if it sticks the landing sort of thing. Um, I do often find that I have like a notepad near me and I'm kind of starting to write down those names and people who I would send it to or even just like imprints that would be good homes and and, you know, doing some calls and making sure that I'm finding the right match for those, those imprints. But yeah, definitely when I'm reading, cause I feel like, you know, there have been things that I've read and I'm like, this is the thing. Like, I am not surprised this got an offer. Like someone is going to swoop this up. Mm. I just, I don't know that I am the right agent. Like, I don't know that I have the right vision or experience or contacts to really like be the right fit for this. And those are the ones that are always like hard because you're like, ah, FOMO, like I, but then you're like, no, 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 this is like, you know, this is not, this is not right. <laughs> so, and that's more of like a personal thing um, than any reflection of the author. Mm, totally. Well, can you tell us what does a day in the life of a literary agent look like for you? Ooh, yeah. Um, I mean, every day is different. And that's kind of what I love about it. Like, some days you have calls with clients, you know, editors, you're in marketing and publicity meetings, you're chatting with film or TV agents. Um, other days, it's a lot of emails, like any job, and it's just like checking tasks off a to do list. Um, sometimes I'm editing a lot and developing projects with clients and sort of like, or reading slush. Um and sometimes I'm just thinking more big picture in terms of like focusing on uh, like projects that are specific to me, like processes, systems, like different ways of like doing the job um, because I'm always like reading and thinking about the industry and just, again, different ways to do the job. And so much of the job is like dependent on an agent specific style or like what they're good at and things like that. So every day is really different. Um, but again, that's, I think that's actually one of the other things that really drew me to the job is like that I, I never know what to expect. And I, that might bother some people, but, <laughs> but it's kind of fun. Oh, I would think it'd be super fun. Yeah. Unless, unless that's not your personality and you, you need to know what's happening, but I think yes. it, I mean, it sounds like it'd be really interesting and, um, but if it feels like most of the agents we've asked, like, they're like, Nope. Every day is so different. And, and sometimes you have to put out fires. So you're switching your schedule. Yeah. The whole day is derailed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, yes. That happens too. <laughs> I love it. I think it's, it sounds, I, I could never, I'm not that organized, <laughs> but I love it for you guys. I think it's fantastic. Uh, what would you say is like the hardest part about being a literary agent? Yeah. Um, I think in the beginning, the hardest part is just like the instability, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of what you were just saying. Um, yeah. Because every chance I think, you know, every chance you take in the beginning has so much weight to it. Like it feels because you're just starting out and you're eager to prove yourself. It just everything has so much weight. Um, and then later on, I think that's still a factor, but it gets easier. Um, and you have, you know, more clients, you have more responsibilities, you have a lot more like competing priorities, a lot more things to like keep you busy. Um, and you, so you need, because of that, you need to be really good at like time management and setting boundaries. 
Um, otherwise, I think it's really easy for things to like spiral out of control. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, um, so that th- I, that's what I would say is like some of the hardest stuff. Mm. I think it's really relatable in writing as well because it is like I find it similar. My days can be so different, and and it's kind of like the best part of it. Like you structure your mm-hmm. own days. You can often choose which side of things you're working on, unless it's like a deadline. But then, yeah, mm-hmm. there's the instability part of it as well. It's just like the best yeah. part of it can also be the worst. I guess it's like it tends to be the way. Yeah, it's interesting because you know sometimes um, we've talked with clients about like being a full time author because of what you just mentioned, where like you have because it sounds really great to have all the time in the world to yourself, and some people really thrive in that environment. Mm. But we've also had clients who actually want to have like some type of maybe like a part time thing or yeah. or maybe not even a job, but like a like a hobby that kind of is like something that you know I don't know like dancing, like whatever it is, mm. because it gives your life a little bit more structure. And sometimes like the lack of structure, you know, like you said, if you don't have a deadline to hit, if you have no parameters on your time, it's like, it's almost like overwhelming. <laughs> mm, definitely. Yeah. yeah. I feel, I'm feeling that right now. Cause yeah. yeah, I have no deadlines at the moment and I'm, I'm trying to like make my brain focus. Um, but she's not listening. So you know. <laughs> I need the, I need a hard deadline. Otherwise I'm like, I'll get to it, which I guess that's how I was in school as well. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I love school because of those, like that structure that's built in. Like you've had these like specific milestones to hit and like, it was, I thrived. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good for you (laughs) in your school. No, just kidding. I don't even remember most of school. I was just like mostly staring out a window, like looking at the sheep in the field next door. That's valid. I love it. I love it so much. Yeah. Um, What has been like your favorite part about being a literary agent? I mean, I really enjoy like the strategy of it all. Like I do, I like thinking about like the, like, who am I going to send this to? Like what's, kind of like, how am I going to like, what do I know about that editor and what they're interested in? Like, what comps can I use? Like, how do I want to frame this? Um, Or like, even like, before that, like working with an author to kind of like, hone in on the parts of the concept that are most exciting, or that I think we should like, focus on a little bit more than others and kind of like making sure my pitch, the materials, everything sort of like aligns with that vision. Um, I mean, it's always really fun to do the call, right? When you call a client and you're like, there's interest in our project. I think that's just so like emotionally, like super satisfying, but I do really like the strategy. And this is like a a small digression, but I think it's the same. Like, I think it's just who I am. Like I, my friends play Dungeons and Dragons and they like suckered me into playing with them. (laughs) I was like, really intimidated by the role playing but for like the like battles I was like yes like here's my druid like I'm gonna transform into a bear I'm gonna whatever like you know whatever it was like I was super into the strategy of the game and so I think like in all facets of life that is just something that really fires me up even if it's like a Dungeons and Dragons game so (laughs) I love this and I can I can feel your excitement and energy about it it's so fun And I've noticed like a lot of the agents that we've either spoken to or just have heard of, like 
um, at some point in their life thought about being a lawyer or were lawyers. And it feels mm -hmm. like there's such a, a fun link because you guys are just smart and strategic yeah. and you know how to play the game. And I, and it makes me so happy. Um, to I actually thought about being a lawyer. <laughs> of course yeah. you did. I have this conspiracy that like all the best agents and authors were lawyers or at least thought about being lawyers before. <laughs> I was like, wow, I'm a total cliche. But no, seriously, like when I graduated from undergrad, I, it was either law school or going to get a master's and something that would get me into like publishing. Cause I'm, I'm based, you know, I grew up in Southern California. Like there aren't many publishers here. I just didn't have like the, the network to really just like go to New York and like make a go of it. Um, so yeah, like it, I, my, my parents always joke like, oh, she likes to argue. She's like, I was always like on debate or whatever, debate teams. And like, so I think that, um, that aspect of our personalities between agents and lawyers is probably similar. I, I have definitely noticed that that pattern as well. Yes. <laughs> I love it because like for my personality personally, I could, I can't, I can't argue. I'll just start crying. I can't debate. <laughs> <laughs> so like, we need you guys yeah. to like go to bat for us, uh, you know, because, uh, you know, I can only speak for me as an author, I'm like timid about that stuff. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, so we need you. And I thank you on behalf of all your authors for going to bat for them. And yeah, so I, I love it so much. It's <laughs> yeah, Me too. And having like such a high voltage, like stressful, I'm sure there's days that are really full on. How do you like manage or avoid burnout or like take like self-care basically? Yeah. I think that's like a constant work in progress. Mm -hmm. Um, I used to do like self-care Sundays and I would, like, I would like take yeah. a bath, like do a face mask, like light the candles. And it was just like this very, like, I'm always going to carve out time on Sunday to kind of like reset for the week ahead. But like the, the more like everyday kind of like more practical answer, I guess, is like, I, try to take things one step at a time because the work just never stops. Mm. So, so you almost have to have like, like force yourself to have tunnel vision um, because you can't be everywhere and like everything for everybody. So I focus on like the most urgent and important tasks and I sort of like tune everything else out as best as I can. Um, but in practice, I think it also helps to like because there's just so many components of the job, I really, um, I think it helps to get as much of like that out of your own head as possible. <laughs> so I have a lot of like systems again in place to kind of help me manage my business. So like tasks, like notes, like lists, like to-do lists, like all of like, there's not much of that that's just like living in my head all the time. Um, and that helps me be like more present and like creative and I think feel less burned out. So it's a little bit of like mental gymnastics I'm doing over here, but I really have to just like tune it out because it's really hard to focus on a task or a call or whatever. If in the back of your head, you're just like, oh, but I got to do this and like that. You know what I mean? Like you just can't mm -hmm. just chill. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so it is a little bit of, uh, yeah, like more of a mindset. Um, but I really try to like put that into practice and then, you know, just the, like getting better at taking vacations and things like that, which is its own, yeah. own story. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. I can only imagine, like, do you force yourself to like shut the emails 
off at a certain time, like at five, I don't read anything else? Or are you feeling like you're constantly kind of battling that pressure? I try to, but am I successful? Not all the time. I try to like, even if I read it, I definitely am not in the habit of like responding to things outside of business hours, just because I feel like if you start to do that, it sets this precedent that you're like constantly available. And I don't think that's healthy for like either party to live that way. Um, So, but yeah, I do try to sort of like set those boundaries because I think it's, it's all just like habits that you build. Um, and I don't want to like be my job, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, I love my job, but I don't, I want to have like an identity outside of work as well. So, yeah, I think that's a really smart mindset though. Like realizing that it is a bit of mental gymnastics as well. Cause that's something I'm noticing for myself as well. It can be the same thing, but reframed. It can feel to, like my day might look the same externally to people, but the, the kind of like brain work I've done to reprogram it for a way that feels good to me is like it's worlds apart, right? Like once you actually mm-hmm. kind of put those things in place and approach it like differently, it's really life-changing. I think, yeah, like that is the core of it, isn't it? Like making it instead of it like being should, you know, like it's like it's like um that Sex in the City quote that, I'm shooting all over myself all the time. Like I should do this. I should do this. I should do this. But kind of like when Mm -hmm. you reframe it and you can kind of approach it differently. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I quote Melanie or, oh, sorry, (laughs) Melanie, Australia. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. Well, okay. So let's, I want to ask, cause I'm sure our listeners like are dying to know about querying and Mm -hmm. advice. Are there any like, query red flags that something comes across your email and you're instantly no, that's a no. I don't have like a ton of red flags most because I feel like most of that's like, oh, you're just like not for me sort of thing. But I think one that comes up a lot might just be, and I don't know that red flag might be like too strong of a phrase here for this, but like outdated or like unrealistic comps. Like you'd be surprised how much I see things that are comp to like Lord of the Rings or like the Hunger Games. And it's not that like, maybe your book really is like those books, but I think it shows like a lack of market awareness to an extent or, and I really want to work with authors who are sort of like tapped into what's working now and reading their peers and like books that have been published in the last five years. So again, it's not like a red flag in the sense that it's like an egregious, like, you know, it's like not something that is that like a mistake in that sense, but it's just, it just speaks to like that larger market awareness. So it is something that I'm sort of like, hmm, are your expectations, like what they, what I think they should be and like all of that. That's one thing that I see popped up a lot. Um, I guess another thing might be like querying before you have a finished manuscript to share. Um, Cause I think that's really hard to do unless maybe you're like an established brand already or something like that. And so I think, again, it goes back to like that expectations, like, do you know how agents work and that sort of thing? And I don't expect everyone I find to have like all of those answers, but like mm. have done some research about sort of like best practices and that sort of thing. Mm. Yeah, totally. And do you have some advice that you, or like something you wish authors knew before they went in the, in the query trenches? Okay. So I think one <laughs> thing that I was thinking, <laughs> 
because I was like, we're about to get real for a sec. Because I think one yes, thing that please. I think a lot about is like, so my boss often says this thing where like, and I'm totally going to misquote her here, but it's something to the effect of like, if there's like a hole in you or like something broken, like publishing isn't going to fix it. And so I guess I say that because I think like an agent's offer, like a book deal, like whatever milestone you're working towards is something to celebrate for sure. But I think when things calm down again, you're just going to feel like you're fundamentally the same person. Mm -hmm. And maybe that sounds like so obvious, but I think it's human nature to really like believe that if you could only achieve like X, you'd feel successful Mm -hmm. or happy or like you made it or like whatever. (laughs) So I think um, it's really important to like confront that fact before you start querying, before you turn like this passion of yours into a profession, really, because otherwise I think publishing can be really tough. Like so much is outside of your control. Um, So I guess I would just say like, just be thinking about your relationship, like with your work and how you're going to like navigate all of that. Um, and that if there is something inside you, you know what I mean? Like do that self work Mm. and figure those things out because really like, I don't know. I I think maybe that's relatable. I hope to some people, but like it's, you do like after like the noise dies down, you just feel like, Oh, okay. So like, I'm still me, (laughs) you know, that is is probably like one of the most profound pieces of advice I've heard. And it is so real and it is, it's therapy hour right now because it's true. Like it's, yeah, like I, I definitely felt that hit a lot of places and I've, I've experienced that in my own journey. Like it is, it comes down to the self-work. Sometimes writing helps you do that self-work. I think it's why a lot of us are drawn to it. It's like processing things, trauma, (laughs) trauma, but like, yeah, it, it's not going to fix it. Those milestones, you'll still feel the same after it unless you do that personal work. That is, yes. <laughs> Please come back and share more of your wisdom with us. <laughs> that was good. Anytime. <laughs> it's true. Like even yeah. like the, you go the highest highs and then it's done. And then you're like, okay, well, I'm, I'm still me. Mm-hmm. It's so profound. It's so profound. Woo. Mm. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> okay, well, we're we're almost out of time, but real quick, are you open to queries at the moment? And are you looking for anything in particular? I am. I'm not looking for anything in particular outside of like my standard wish list. I will say, like, just try me though, because I'm 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 I respond to all the queries. Um, and I'm you know still very much actively building my list. Um, so I try to keep that that website pretty updated, so you always kind of know what I'm interested in. And if it's not like the specific thing that you're seeing on there, just try me. Like it never hurts. Shoot your shot. <laughs> so, your shot, everybody. Yes. Shoot your shot. I love it. Yes, mm. I love when agents are open to that because yeah, it's like you said, you never know what's gonna kind of pull you in that moment. Now, I think our last question, if we have the time, and I don't know if you, if you've thought about it, but like, do you have a favorite quote that you could share with us? I do, but I don't know if I can get, I don't know if I could like get to it before (laughs) our time is up. Maybe. Yeah. If you can't email it to us and we will post it on our, uh, our page or page. Cause yeah, I see less than a minute. I don't want you to get cut off on a profound quote. I can only imagine. (laughs) <laughs> I mean your quote your quote took the cake like no other quote can top that right now so we'll just end on that high <laughs> okay thank you so 
so much for joining us. Honestly, we appreciate this so much. Of course. Yeah. Thanks for having me.